KRCL, Salt Lake City. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Ah, uh, with Neil Young and a homegrown tune there. We got uh, Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, punk rock farmers, community builders, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones, and I'm in studio with Al Grassi here, the punk rock farmer. And boy, it's nice to be getting used to going live again. <laughs> I'm still like, where's all the buttons and what mics are canceling out which ones? But hey, we're getting it dialed in for you and bringing you more True Tales of the Agri-Hood, right Al? True Tales of the Agri-Hood. We have uh, Green Urban Lunchbox here, a couple of folks, the girl Jess from the Back Farms program yeah. and also Katie Nelson and she's the director and we're going to talk CSAs and we're going to talk Back Farms and... Um, Cimbria's with us, and Cimbria Patterson, if you don't know by now, she's been with us the last 45 days, so the last two or three, three or four uh, Fridays, she's been with us, and we've been talking about legislation and what's going on at the Hill as far as the urban farm folks are, are concerned. All right, is the Agrihood faring well? She will report on that. Also, I've got... A call for artists from the Salt Lake City Arts Council, Al. They're opening their latest grant period. And there are two benefits going on, one tonight, one tomorrow, for strangers in Ukraine. I've got a little interview to share with you on that. I think, oh, your big urban farm report. Yes, so um, we're going to talk... We're going to talk beef, and we're going to talk um, regenerative stuff. It's really, it's going to be a great spot. We have um, McKinley from Three Springs Farm, Three Springs Land and Livestock. So like in Pioa or yeah, something, right? Yeah. Up by Camas? Yep. So but, uh, they do that regenerative stuff that you've been really getting into, right? Blessing the land. It's got a little holistic stuff involved with it. It's really cool. A little biodynamics, all that good stuff. Well, let's start where we always start. That's some homegrown music, as Neil was shouting out there. Who do we have tonight with us? Sky Olson's with us. How you doing, buddy? Good. How you guys doing? It's really good. So you guys played at, at Kilby Court last night. How was it? We did. It was a total blast. I love the energy and vibe at Kilby Court. It's so much fun to play there. And good playing stuff. out again, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's playing out live music. It's, it's, a, it's a big change, but it's exciting. Well, we got three songs to share throughout the course of the evening here on Radioactive. But uh, tell us a little bit about... This whole John Lennon songwriting contest that you've won twice. Yeah. So last year, um, I started writing music. Uh, I wrote my first song actually a year ago yesterday. And um, I wrote it and I recorded it. And uh, I sh uh, started showing people and people were saying, hey, this is this is really good. Maybe you should kind of put this out there a little more. So I decided to submit it to some uh, contest. Uh, and I, uh, so I uh, submitted to the John Lennon songwriting contest and actually in between surgeries found out that I was a weekly winner and it sort of gave me this confidence to feel like, you know, maybe people actually want to hear what I have to say. So I kept writing, I kept making more and more music and just this past week, uh, or actually two weeks ago, I found out that I had won again, the John Lennon songwriting contest for another song. Uh, they they had a love song competition this time that I won for, and then just this past week I found out that I uh, am a semifinalist in the international songwriting contest. Ooh, which, with which with which song? So uh, it's the song is called Broken Time Machine. Unfortunately, we can't share it because it's still secret till the contest is over. Well, it, it has. Uh, it, I don't have a radio edit for it yet. Ah, that's the it's, problem. It's not incredibly vulgar or anything, but it's just uh, yeah. There's. There's maybe a word or two in it that probably wouldn't fly. Good thing I started putting the FCC warning on the sign-in for the show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so you said between surgeries. How's, how's things going? I mean, COVID's been hard on so many folks. Yeah, so um, I have kind of a rare condition called, um, it's uh, called craniocervical instability. And basically it means that the ligaments that hold up my head are too loose. So it's a stem cell surgery where they go in through actually the back of my mouth and inject stem cells to kind of strengthen those ligaments. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it is, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Al, let's hear this first song. What do we got? Let's find out about it. This is Sky Olson with Love and Only Love, Fresh and Homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. In my 
must be hard to hear they're taking up their arms against you for the crime of being who you are. It must be hard to finally see the light, but then they see that what you see is actually the dark. Strong enough, you're full of light, and no amount of hateful eyes can tell you otherwise. Love and holy love. They say they care, but then they shift the blame to the man upstairs, guarding. It might take a while for that rusted out Geo Metro in your garage to become vintage, so why not donate it in the meantime? KRCL's vehicle donation partner, Cars Inc., will tow your car, truck, motorcycle, or boat, give you a tax receipt, and cut a check to KRCL. That means your college SUBI can fuel Sagebrush Serenade, and your 1980 station wagon can power women who rock. For details on donating your vehicle to KRCL, drop by the support tab at krcl.org. And thank you for your support, whether it's uh, records and CDs for upcoming record sale or maybe your old junker. Thank you so much. More details to donate those sorts of things in kind online at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones in studio with Aldine Strict 9, KRCL's punk rock farmer, also known as Al Grassi by those nearest and dearest to him in the tax man. So <laughs> time for some rallies and resources. Can you tell I'm giddy about being back live? I, it's, yeah, you're going to have it's, to smack me. It's not quite as comfortable as it, as it was, but yeah. it's getting there. Yeah. So we are back live in our new studios. And thank you for your support for making that happen, too. So a couple of rallies and resources. I got something here about strangers in Ukraine. But first, we want to talk with Claire Taylor from the Salt Lake City Arts Council and a new call for visual arts submissions. Right, Claire? That's right. Yep. Uh, so I run the Finchling Gallery uh, at the Art Barn. And right now we are accepting submissions for 2023 art exhibitions at the Finchling Gallery. For the 2023, so we're getting a year ahead, right? That's okay. right. So what are you looking for, and can anyone apply? Any Utah-based artist can apply. Um, so they would go to saltlakearts.org and navigate to the Finchling Gallery webpage, and there you'll find a link to our guidelines that'll tell you everything that we're looking for. But basically, we're looking for visual artists who are able to exhibit a body of work to fill an exhibition space. We're also looking for curators who want to curate a group of artists that can fill the exhibition space. So artists and art curators, I really like that, that mix. This is an opportunity, folks, in your own community to have your art seen at a reputable gallery not that i'm a you know opposed to irreputable galleries but finchlane has quite a reputation for especially utah artists right claire we do but you know we exhibit both emerging and established artists so if you feel like you're just starting out go ahead and apply 
All right. You're yourself an artist, right? I am. And I know you've got an exhibit coming up at the Capitol later this year. We'll have you back to talk about this. But what's your what's your, your best inspirational call to action for artists who may be on the fence? Like, I don't know if my work is good enough. You're like, How do you get off the fence and do that? I would say just realize that art is an expression of who you are. If all of our art looked the same, even if it looked like a Da Vinci, it would be incredibly boring. So embrace your self-expression. You like that out, right? <laughs> that was good. Yeah. That was good. All right, what's the website? One more time where folks can get more details. SaltLakeArts.org. And the deadline? Oh, that is March 31st at 5 p.m. So you got to get it on, folks. Thanks so much, Claire. We'll put details in the show notes, okay? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming all the way down to the new KRCL studios. Okay, Al, Eli McCann is an attorney in Salt Lake City. He's also the co-creator of StrangerVille, a live storytelling event, a monthly podcast, but over the weekend, he put out this call to help uh, organize strangers in Ukraine. Now, this is two events tonight at Public Coffee Roasters at 7, tomorrow night at 7 at Cactus and Tropicals. And it's going to help folks who are in trouble over in Ukraine fleeing the Russian invasion. Let's pass that microphone to find out more about the events, but also his connection to the country now under attack by Russia. I served an LDS mission in Ukraine from 2003 to 2005. And then after that, I've been back to the country a, a lot uh, over the years. I lived in Russia for a little while for work, and I've been in Ukraine quite a lot studying history and visiting friends. And so it's a place that I'm very connected to. In fact, we'll share some audio from a video you posted about Ukraine, a brief history. And you go quite in, at length into the history of the people as you observed it and learned about it. What is your take on what's happening right now from the Ukrainian perspective? It's been, you know, I, we've all been gripped with the news in the last week, especially. I, I've been, of course, in tune with this for a, a while. Um, it's been really heartbreaking to watch, weirdly inspiring. Um, you know, U Ukrainians have this fighting spirit and they have this sense of justice and morality that I don't think is really matched anywhere else in the world that I've seen. And so they, they have they have shown up for their community and they're fighting back and they're donating their time and resources to one another to try and protect one another. And, and that part of all of this has been really incredible to watch and an incredible lesson to us throughout the rest of the world, I think. In fact, it's not the first time they've fought back against Russia's encroachment and now invasion. And you talked about that in this post that I'll share in the show notes what are you hearing from friends and contacts over there, including children, I notice in your post? Yeah, it's been really interesting. The first couple of days of the, the big invasion that started about a week and a half ago, I was getting messages from friends who were really scared, uh, you know, didn't know what, what they should expect in the coming days. And it's been really interesting to see those same friends become more and more self-assured as the days have gone on. And I think, I think it's, a direct result of their communities kind of coming together and putting plans in motion. And yesterday I got a message from a friend who the first couple of days really seemed just terrified. And yesterday she said, we have everything that we need. We're ready for anything at this point. And so that that's been kind of incredible to watch. You know, of course, there's so much, uh, you know, they don't know what to expect going forward, just like the rest of us. And so I, I'm sure that there's still a lot of fear there. But my friends are not showing that fear right now. So you put out the word a couple of days ago saying, I've got to do something. Who's up to help? And this came together, strangers in Ukraine, pretty quickly. And first, I should explain strangers, StrangerVille, and what you do with that. Yeah. So I for, for years, I've been hosting a podcast called StrangerVille, where we collect stories from strangers. The idea and something that I write a lot about is it's easy to love the people that you know, but it's important to also love the strangers that we encounter throughout our lives. And so I've, I've been kind of running with that theme for a long time in what I write and what I produce. And so, uh, yeah, on Sunday night, I just felt like I need to do more than just write and tweet about this. I have to do something. And so I tweeted out and said, I want to put together some kind of fundraising event. And within minutes, I had dozens of people offering support, offering help, donating items, donating food, drinks, you know, whatever venues and so forth. And so by the next morning, we launched these two fundraisers that were going to occur within the next five days. And we decided to call it Strangers in Ukraine because we are 
raising money for people that, uh, sorry, I've been very emotional all week, but we've been trying to raise money for people that we don't know, but that we love anyway, because they are people. And so uh, the last few days have just been incredible to see our own community show up for these people that they don't know. Um, we've had donations just pouring in. We've had people offer to match donations. Um, we've had donated goods um, pouring in. I've received literally hundreds of messages from people offering to help in some way get these events up and running. And it's just been truly remarkable. So we pre-recorded this so that you could get to your event, which starts at seven at Public Coffee Roasters this evening. Can you explain what's happening tonight and tomorrow and how people can participate? Yeah, so tonight we'll be at public at seven o'clock. We're expecting the event to run about two or three hours. There's going to be a silent auction. We've had some really cool items donated, uh, really good jazz tickets, uh, a bike. We've had um, a bunch of art donated, some weekend getaways. It's, it's So that'll be really fun. We've got some live music, some local bands who are going to be performing. Um, we've had, we'll have some snacks, food, some drinks. Um, and otherwise, uh, we'll have a couple of people speak, including one Ukrainian who's going to talk about what this experience feels like for him right now. And so we're doing that tonight at public. We're going to do the same thing tomorrow night at Cactus and Tropical from about seven to nine ish. Uh, and so we're just asking people to, to come show up, participate in the silent auction, um, donate if you can. And we have all of that information on our website, strangersinukraine.org. Uh, and you can RSVP to either of the events or find donation links and find information about the humanitarian organizations that we've decided to send all of these funds to. Now, both events tonight and tomorrow are 21 plus, correct? Yeah, we, we've decided to make it adults only um, to try and maximize the amount of potential donors that might be able to show up. And then the proceeds will go where? We are sending, we are splitting the proceeds equally between two organizations. One is called Razom, which in Ukraine, in Ukrainian means together. It's an organization that's on the ground in Ukraine right now, providing medical supplies and food to people in inside the borders of Ukraine. The second organization is called Lifting Hands International, which is an organization that's actually based out of Utah. And they are right now at the borders, uh, trying to provide the same types of things to refugees who are crossing the border. And Equality Utah joining in with you, in fact, loaning their fundraising infrastructure, I understand. Yeah, which was an incredible offer on behalf of Equality Utah. We obviously didn't have time to set up a 501c3 and, and all of the digital infrastructure that would be needed to collect donations. And Equality Utah immediately reached out and said, this is what we do. We collect donations for things. We're ready to go. They changed their uh, digital portals to look like a Ukrainian flag. And they said, we'll collect all the donations. We'll track them for you. And then we'll send the money off. And so that, that has been an incredible offer on behalf of that organization. Tonight at Public Coffee, the one on West Temple, just south of Ninth South, correct? Correct. Now, Eli, I imagine your life has changed a lot since you were 19, serving your, your church in Ukraine. Life goes on for us, but the sounds like the one thing that has stayed the same is your open-heartedness open to strangers and your connection to Ukraine. Yeah, I, I think my love for people in Ukraine has only grown in the last two decades. And I, I think if you've paid any attention to the news in the last week, that you can all see why. They're, they're just an incredible group of people. And that is Eli McCann, organizer of Strangers in Ukraine, fundraising events benefiting relief efforts in Ukraine. Check tonight's show notes for a link, Al. And this... This uh, music you hear in the back is from a trip Eli took back to Ukraine a couple years back, and folks were celebrating the square after the last time they had to expel wow. foreign invaders from their country. All those links will be in the show notes tonight. Stick around for more music from Sky Olson plus Aldine's Urban Farm Report. But now it's time for Simbria Patterson of Red Acre Center to read us out what happened to the legislative session that's wrapping up tonight by midnight we take it came off the hill so last week we had a really nice conversation and we had handy here our rep and um really good stuff came through for the food advisory committee and it's reinstated for another five years 
Some of the other stuff, we have not the best news to report. Some of the appropriations didn't come through, but uh, and we can talk a little bit about that, but we can also talk about things that we're still moving forward and we still can come back next year, and we've made a lot of great connections this year, new folks. McKinley's here with us later, and we just met those guys from Three Springs Farm. So, I mean, we're not going to be glum, right? No, 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 no. No, it's a good year. It's a good year. No, you know, inroads, connections, networking, all that matters. And, like, we have the Food Coalition with Chandler. And just there's more voices than ever up on the hill for the local food movement. And so whether we walk away with money we ask for, you know, lots of times you don't get it the first year. But that's why you never ask for money either. <laughs> I don't like to lose. No. <laughs> we don't, I mean, we support people who have those projects. It's just not what the center does. We, we just feel like we're there to say, hey, can you just, you know, don't legislate us out of business. That's all we're asking for is room to do what we do. And so one of the things that was really cool this year, and I attended a few of them, was pastries and politics. And that was great notes and things that we we met some people. We saw some old friends. Rhonda has her little farm. She came in. And uh, what's the girl Chandler from uh, the Utah Food Coalition? And folks who were interested in learning more about being up on the hill and how to go about how to go about talking to people and how to, you know, set things in motion and that it's not really as daunting as you think. Yeah, we, we got some people who had only been on the outside picketing or <laughs> protesting. Shaking that, their fists. Yeah, so they had never been inside. And so it was kind of cool. To, there was a space for them to come. We're going to do it every week next year, too. Same room, same time. And it, if you, we'll take you up if you want to lobby, if you want to meet your representative. But at least there's a place to have that conversation and be like, hey, is this the people's house? You have the right to be here. You have a voice, and there's a way to go about it in the process, and you can be heard. Even though you might not get what you always ask for, <laughs> at least you're being listened to. What about next year? Do we have anything big that we want to even talk about now, or are we kind of keeping our mouths closed no (laughs) No. that's what i sat up here and did the whole time is what can we come back with next year so our friends over at utah natural milk and meat they butter and cream was made legal but now they have buttermilk and they can't sell it and he's like why can't we make raw ice cream it's delicious so no one wants to hear that up there but it's time we need to help those folks and it shouldn't be looked at as like here they come again it should be looked like how can we help these people because there's some beautiful raw milk dairy operations you know raw milk shouldn't be dangerous and dark it really shouldn't it's uh, i love raw milk it's the other white you stuff have to out. you know you can go <laughs> you know you can when you go to the redmond farms place you have to sign your you have to do a little waiver and yeah. sign your life away i suppose <laughs> at least you can get it yeah so. they did sign a resolution about how much they appreciate agriculture and i have to get that in there and that's me that's not cimbria <laughs> Throwing the sarcasm in because there are so many things, the appropriations with all that American Recovery Plan Act money. I was just hoping that they would fund the study for the downtown farmers market and some other things. And we'll have to get Allison on to talk about you, that. You need to get Allison on. That, <laughs> that, I think that was just there's some good stuff from there that that. OK, I don't think it was a no as much as it was. It just there's money there. It just was the wrong ask in the wrong place. But uh, that's her you know, okay. story to tell. But yeah, so. So not all bad. We, we it was great to be up there. It was great to be a part of it and and talk to folks, get get involved and talk to reps and senators and stuff. And I had a great I I enjoyed it. And the more people I think we get up there, the better. So I mean, I, we really basically had two days on the hill this year, right? With Allison doing farmers market day on the hill. We had and they're much more friendly and they want to talk to us and. And, and there was one appropriations. There was a $3 million ask for food security by UDAF, and they got a million out of their oh, three. Oh, that's great. So, that's that's yeah. good news to hear. Absolutely. And and thank you to Representative Handy, who came down last week. Hopefully we can see him over interim and uh, help amplify the call for the Agrihood, Al. Sounds good. Okay. So, Symbria, what's the website where folks can get engaged with Red Acre Center? And also, plan now for the 2023 Utah Farm and Food Conference. You're good at getting that. Yep. And, and we have a fundraiser March 24th, Snuck Farm. 
And the website is? RedAcreCenter.org. All right. Can have you pass that microphone over to the guest to your right while we talk with our next guest, Al, from Green Urban Lunchbox. And uh, joining us now, we have Executive Director Katie Nelson. Hi, Katie. How you doing? Hi, Laura. I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty good. So let's remind folks about Green Urban Lunchbox. We'll get Jess Collette, your back farms manager, set up, too. Yeah, so the Green Urban Lunchbox, we're a Salt Lake City original organization where we do a lot of food production and a lot of gathering of food, and then we take that food and we distribute it throughout the the community. And so this year, we're getting lots of garden beds ready for growing food for senior citizens this summer. Time to gear up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is it. It's time to get excited. And, you know, we haven't seen you for a while, Katie. It's been, you know, it's been a minute. And I think the last time we saw you in person was when I'm at the conference. It was not this year, but the last year. It was. It was in 2020. Oh, and my goodness. Oh, where did the time go? That was when I went down, too. Gone. <laughs> so Green Urban Lunchbox is still pushing on. They do so much great stuff in the community. Uh, one of the great nonprofits for food in our agri-hood for the, lots of things. But let's talk about the Back Farms program. And Jess, will you tell us a little bit about it? Get, a, get people... In, acquainted with it. Jess Collette. Sure. Yeah, the Back Farms program, we build and maintain gardens for senior citizens in Salt Lake County. Um, In each of those gardens, we're responsible for everything from installing it, amending the soil, planting, weeding, um, everything there. Um, And each garden has a volunteer garden apprentice who comes out all season and gets to learn how to do all these tasks. Um, and essentially have a garden space in a senior's yard with us. How old do you have to be? To qualify um, as a senior in our program, you do have to be 65 and up and then have a space that we can use that's um, suitable for gardening, um, as well as to be unable to do it yourself. So we just want to help people who can't who can't garden for themselves anymore. So will all the food go to the folks who have the garden, or do you guys get a share to to put in a good way somewhere? Yeah, so we split up the produce a bit. So um, about about a third of it goes to the senior who lives there. Um, A third of it goes to that volunteer garden apprentice. And then all of the excess food we distribute at Salt Lake County Senior Centers. Um, We host free farm stands throughout the summer at the Salt Lake County Senior Centers. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, very cool. How did you get involved here? Because we haven't seen you before. Um, I originally got involved uh, through AmeriCorps. Uh So I've been with Green Urban for about five or six years now. (laughs) Mm. Um, But in back farms for the last four very good. Very That's cool. Pretty cool. So this is just one of the many initiatives of the Green Urban Lunchbox, a nonprofit in our community that empowers folks to engage in local production using resources available in our community. We're going to get you the website. Uh, when do you have to sign up as the senior or the garden apprentice? So we are pretty full on seniors right now. Um, we usually start recruiting a few new ones in January, February. Um, but people can apply all year and we'll put them on a wait list for next year. And then garden apprentices, we are recruiting right now. So if you're interested in volunteering, it's a season long commitment, May through October, just about. Um, but if you go to our website, you can apply there. And the website is? TheGreenUrbanLunchbox.com. And I have to do a full disclosure here. I have used the garden consultation services of Green Urban Lunchbox. Folks can learn more about that at the website as well. Um, so you know you don't just help these like the the back farms program or the fruit share program. You can help the general person who's under sixty five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. so we wanted to make it available to people who um, want to make their gardening dreams come true. So they're unsure how to get started, and so we come in with uh, with our professionalism and our energy, and we help them get that started. And we can do just as little as meeting with them once a month to kind of help them consult, like what pest is this, or what's the what's wrong with my soil, to actually. Uh, building and maintaining that garden for them for the whole season. And that actually helps us fundraise for our Back Farms program. So some folks, I bet, help more as much as they can and get really involved. And some folks probably just sit back and watch you guys grow the food. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. I need to ask all of you, since I have you here and you have greener thumbs than than I do, uh, it's raining today, which is great. We need that. What's your forecast? Because I remember this time last year and uh, it was pretty dry then. 
What do you think, Katie oh, and Jess? Man, we had a tough, tough winter. Uh, we needed more snow just to cover the soil and, and build up the, those soil uh, moisture reserves. So uh, we're praying for rain all day, every day. This is going to be really good. Um, but uh, it's going to be a tough season. I have a feeling. And Jess, as you know, well know, that it was too much heat, too much sun in my, in my garden. And you guys have lots of ideas for how to combat that, right? Yeah, so we, um, we do a lot of really dense plantings that help shade the soil. Um, the denser you plant things, it kind of uh, builds a barrier from the sun, helps keep water in. Uh, we use really water-efficient drip irrigation systems, um, so that way you're directly watering into the soil and not just kind of losing that up to the air. A few tips I'm sure you have used, Al. Yes, most definitely. You know, um, keep keep the water in, get some kind of a ground cover even, or some chips or something, and mm -hmm. get the water centered right where you want it. That, those kind of things really, really help. Before we get to your CSAs, uh, Katie, you are hiring at your nonprofit. We are. Yes, we're actually hiring in our Back Farms program two garden leaders. So... We're looking for some folks who have gardening experience to come and take care of these gardens in the seniors' backyards and train our garden apprentices. So it's a really fun gig. Um, it's part-time. Uh, you get to interact with the community, be outside, and you get access to all the fresh fruits and veggies that you could ever want. <laughs> Very good stuff. Great stuff. A um, little bit about CSA. So coming up, it's not for a minute, it, but to, let's talk about it because it's exciting stuff, community shared agriculture. Yes, exactly. We have some big plans for our CSA this year. We're, so last year we implemented a sliding scale. So for folks who can pay a little bit more, we offer that option. And for folks who can afford a little bit less, we offer that option as well. And so they kind of balance out throughout the season. So our goal is to make it into people's homes who may not have um, the upfront cash to afford a CSA. Um, we also started accepting SNAP benefits and Double Up Food Bucks last year. So uh, that was really cool, and we're excited to offer that again this year. Is it once a week? Is it, is this yep, how once it goes? a week for 20 weeks. It starts, I want to say, June 8th, and it goes to the third week of October. Very good. Long. When good. do you have to sign up? Um, we'll take people until we're full. So Okay, so CSA, Back Farms Initiative, jobs, all at the website. All at the website, thegreenurbanlunchbox.com. So good to see you and want to have you back and bring in some folks from your small small farm initiative. Yeah. Uh, We'd love a that. Have a week. Sound good? Sounds good. All Thank right. you. Good, good, good. Thank you so much for coming in from the Green Urban Lunchbox. And so we're going to go to a song from our featured artist tonight, Skylar Olson. This is People Fade off Hollow Walls on KRCL 90.9. Fresh and homegrown, right, Al? Yeah, you got it. Wondering where is your style 
KRCL, your community connection since 1979. It's been a long winter, but here comes springtime. Getting excited to get out. It's time to get out. We have to see the mountains and the prairies and the whole rest of that song. The return of the KRCL record sale will be coming up. Hopefully, we can gather and share some music. But right now, we're looking for donations. Maybe you got a box of old records in the attic or the basement, and maybe it's time to donate them to a good cause, your community radio station. And we can pass them on to the next music lover so they can enjoy your 33 and a third treasures. Get with Eric. Eric N. at krcl.org. That would be nice. Yes, it would. Seeing some records and CDs coming into the studio already, Al. We're working on our record sale for 2022 in person again. Exciting stuff. That's coming up. Time for Aldine's Urban Farm Report. Who's your special guest tonight? McKinley Smoot's here with us. And uh, three springs land and livestock. I like you put land in there. I think it's really cool. Um, We're going to talk some regenerative stuff. Um, All the terms... Organic maybe was the first, and then we started to hear a little bit about um, um, sustainability. And then in the last maybe five years or so, I hear more about regenerative. This actually goes back to the 60s, and your dad was involved in this. And you weren't involved then, but you're involved now. That's right, yeah. So uh, <laughs> my dad, his, his name's Sherm Smoot. Uh, he started doing something called holistic resource management Um which was uh, kind of a, a practice founded by a guy named Alan Savory who was out of Zimbabwe. And uh, so, yeah, he's, he had been doing this on our ranch for about 25 to 30 years. And uh, back then, no one, he was, you know, made fun of and people thought he was crazy for bringing, he, he brought in 400 head of cattle on about 700 acres at the time and rotated them through for about, I don't know, seven months, um, very, very, intensively and uh, people thought he was crazy so that's uh it's changed now it's a little bit different nowadays so the importance of livestock in the midwest and the west um i'm thinking this has something to do with where the buffalo roam that's right okay tell i so at least i know a little bit about it tell me a little bit about all that yeah so any kind of grassland environment and uh utah is a shrubland grassland environment as well uh, is absolutely dependent upon large ungulates. And the thing is, it's large ungulates and the predator, pack hunting predator prey relationship that makes that work out. Because typically, the, you know, there's a lot of conversation about how livestock overgraze, which is a true statement and that needs to be addressed. But typically, that does not happen in a complete environment or complete ecosystem because you have significant amounts of predators that force the livestock to bunch herd to protect themselves from these animals and then they move off very quickly because they're dunging and urinating all over everything and then they have to leave and then that piece of that piece of ground basically gets a very long rest period and that rest period is absolutely essential for biodiversity and for a total you know for the soil to do what it does to to keep things fertile and that's the reason the midwest is so fertile um, they, they estimate there's probably about 175 million ungulates before uh, Western expansion. That's from bison to elk to pronghorn deer to mule deer, white-tailed deer. And uh, the funny thing is that's about as many animals as we butcher a year in the United States. So if we start doing this again with cattle, obviously there's not too many buffalo anymore. Right. It, can, it can last that long. Uh, I mean, it's still fertile there because of all this so far so long ago well that's a great question um as a country we are fairly dependent upon uh npk fertilizers and a lot of different things so i honestly don't know but that's 
when the there's a lot of conversation about you know from people moving to the east to the west manifest destiny is like move west young man move west because they would see these record yields and they'd till up the ground they'd see this incredibly fertile soil and i don't know if that's really the case uh anymore i'm sure there's certain places that it's still making a difference but that would be that's a really great question i don't know the answer to that so you you graduated from the institute the savory institute i did and um are you a pastoralist to some degree yes uh I wouldn't necessarily. I love myself. that word. Just tell me what what it means. <laughs> a pastoral. When I think of a pastoralist, I think kind of of a. Oh man, the Maasai people in Africa, who literally move their cattle on foot, twenty four hours a day, or their whatever livestock that they're running. Um, we don't do that. Uh, I like to think of myself more as a grazier with an eye. Um, and we, we move our animals every day, if not multiple times a day, with electric fences. I'm not out there twenty four seven. Although often I might like to be, uh, if it was more profitable, I probably would be out there with them twenty four seven. A little bit about the farm. I know you're up in Woodland, POA, in that area. POA. I've seen some buffalo up there. Yes. Do you know who those are? I do. <laughs> I do. Buffalo Run Ranch. Yeah, those are our neighbors. Right there. as you come out of the back way over the over the uh, what is it? Bench Creek Road. Up yes. There. Yes. That's sir. right. And yeah. so, um, uh, how is it that? You, what are you guys doing different? than big ag's doing, that conventional ag uh, is involved with livestock's doing. Right. So uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to finish our animals on grass, um, which is, so it's not just grass-fed. Grass-fed has a lot, there's a lot of interesting connotations there, but also we try to finish them on grass. And what we're doing is we're putting soil health first beyond the dollar. And kind of our belief is if the soil health comes, profitability comes even more because we can actually support more animals and not degrade it over time. We don't have to use as many inputs. We don't have to use as much heavy equipment so we can minimize a lot of the things that are plaguing a lot of uh, big ag these days. Now you said finish them on dry grass. What does that mean? Are you talking all the way through butchering? That's right. Okay, so you're butchering in the field, and then you're also relying on their excrement and the turn that they do to the dirt to improve the soil. That's right. So in a really high impact situation, they stimulate this basically the seed bed. So you'll see over time, you'll see different plants that have not been around for a very long time because of the excrement and the not only their hooves, but also them grazing. It actually stimulates the plant to feed more carbon into the soil for more soil organisms. And then you mentioned electric fences. So are they on ro- on wheels so they kind of roll and help move the cattle along? That would be nice. Um, <laughs> th- <laughs> you, there are some there are some uh, s- s- there are some tools that actually do that. Um, we like to sheep have dogs. Them. Sheep dogs would be great. It's just one strand though, right? It's just one strand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with sheep, you might want two, but with cattle, you can get away with one, yeah. especially if they're well trained for it. Let's go back to soil health. Um, I look at your Instagram, and I really love the posts. They're really informative, and they tell a little bit about what you guys are doing. I saw um, I saw cover crops, and I know you're not growing cover crops to grow food afterwards, or but you're tilling it in to improve health. That's, that that's right. Doing? So we are we did we're we're experimenting with cover crops. So uh, there's a it's called interseeding or stitching. Um, we're trying to add biodiversity of annuals to our perennial grasslands um there's a lot of nuance in that in the cover crop world but for us we are actually growing food it's the cattle that eat the Ah. cover crop and uh so to some it's just a one step removed from from that you know you guys just started last year and you 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 grew some chickens and some cattle Mm -hmm. where are you at in development right now what are you looking at to this year for this year for this year we'll be adding to our herd significantly uh the drought last year uh, we were really nervous. The place we were running on had been managed conventionally for a long time, and we weren't sure what it could do. So we started with a pretty small amount. We'll probably be up to around 20 or 30 head, maybe, depending on the snow this year. Um, and then we did, we'll probably be expanding our poultry operation quite a bit. We'll probably be at least doubling our numbers. We did only did 150 last year, but we sold out in about a week. Uh-huh. So th- we found the demand to be significantly higher. The, the quality of the product was it's the best chicken I've ever had. Right? Yeah. Good stuff. So uh, um, organic, sustainable, regenerative, I asked you, what might be next? What might be the next thing? And you said terraforming. Terraforming, what? that's right. Terraforming. What are you talking about? Well, 
you can say that part of Utah look like looks like Mars. People train for Mars that's, in the Red Rocks lands. Of so Utah. the desert lands can be p- moved towards grassland and actually become pastoral in some uh, in some respects. It depends on the context. So if you're going to go out to like the West Desert out near Wendover. You probably could, but it might take you a few uh, millennia to do <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, but but there are traditional grasslands that have been somewhat degraded over the last 200 years since people have showed up, and it could be turn into. I mean, if if anybody wants to really look at this, uh, there's a Instagram page called Pasticultores del Desierto, and they've done this in Chihuahua, Mexico, and uh, they've turned a place that used to be a grassland that then turned a desert back into grassland. And they've seen that temperatures have dropped. It's getting more rain through transpiration. It's real. It's just what we need are more people. More people? You mean more workers on we, your ranch? We need more people interacting with our environment. Uh, oh, we need okay. more people understanding this and willing to go out and work labor with nature because uh-huh. without people, we've disrupted nature so much. Yeah, th- that we can't. It won't do it by itself. Well, our friend Luke uh, Peterson out in West Jordan does a lot of farm tours to try and do that. Are you going to be doing something like that? Yes, we are. Uh, so we'll, we're planning on having at least two or three field days this year. Um, and if we get more interest, then we'll probably do more than that. You also mentioned the snow and what that might do to your herd. I was looking at your website, and you got your Instagram pulled in there. And on February 22nd, update four inches of snow from yesterday <laughs> in Stoke. Yes. So your tell us about up. snow on your ranch up there in Pioa because it was a dry January. It was rough. Um, yeah, so we had we got zero inches of snow. I think we had a little bit of a snowstorm on the 1st and 2nd. After that, it's a, we had zero snow in January, which is incredibly... Uh, unusual we did have a record year in december though and but we're still we're at about 86 percent of normal and the previous years we were around between 60 and 70 percent so we're in a very significant drought and typically where we're at we're actually have two of the most important watersheds flow through the camas valley being the weber river Uh and the provo Provo. river Mm -hmm. and so it, we're, in, we're in trouble if things don't change, but we're hoping that our management makes us more drought resilient. We're talking with McKinley Smoot, and he is our featured uh, farmer on the Urban Farm Report here with Aldine Strignine. He's from Three Springs Land and Livestock in PO. We might have to arrange a punk rock farmer tour. Tour up there, yes, yeah. for sure. We love that. So um, Soil Advisory Committee, you were appointed to that. How did that come about, Tell, and what's it all about? Yeah, so um, I'm the ch- I, I was appointed the chair. I kind of volunteered for the position. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what happened was we uh, on our ranch that I grew up on, uh, we were doing some river work. Um, it's a braided channel, and there's a lot of nuance in that conversation. But uh, some of the folks from UDAF came up to see if they could help us with some grant money because it's fairly significant what we need to start to have happen. Utah Department of Ag, Ag, and, Ag and Food. Food. So we're looking for grant money to help us with the Provo River. <clears throat> Uh, for irrigation and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we were talking about how we've been managing our cows um, up there with uh, one of the employees there. And they said, they talked to Tony Richards, who, who's over our program. And uh, we ta- he called me. We had about a two-and-a-half-hour conversation. And he said, would you want to be on this committee? And we're like, sure. We don't really know what that means because <laughs> we didn't know the government even recognized a lot of this stuff. So um, we ended up, you know, being on the committee, and uh, it's been a really interesting, uh, eye-opening experience. I really love it that you guys are involved in this, and that there's new faces, and there's new hope, and, uh, you know, a, a movement, and uh, you're bolstering it. I think it's really great. Um, really great. Thanks thanks so much for being, you know, just being on it and, and trying to change things. Because th- this can change if more people do it, like you said, this can change climate change, food security. It can. It, it's. It's big. It's this. I mean, it's. It's fascinating because agriculture is kind of the linchpin to whether civilizations thrive or fall. So it's not just soil. It's not just food. It's culture. It's community. Um, it's difficult to communicate how uh, important this is because our world seems to be becoming less and less globalized and things are become seeming more less and less secure and 
to be resilient and regional and have a stronger cultural community bond even through this pandemic, we saw how that may be weak in our society. And we we see in these small rural communities that are thriving that it's it just it's it bounces off of them. It's like we we have each other, we have the land, we have our animals and that contributes to our well-being. In some ways, I would say farmers have been quarantined a bit uh, as part of the profession. My grandfather was a farmer up in in Twin, Mm -hmm. and you're working your land. Yeah. And the people you see every day are the ones who help you work the land. And when you go to church, you go to the store, you go to, I don't know, the Civic League in town or bowling night or something, you might meet up with people. But otherwise, it can be a very socially isolating um, existence. And we've talked about that with farmers on here, the... The, the dwindling number of farmers, the depression and, frankly, suicide among farmers. But you and your partners, I really want to get back to Three Springs. Yeah. This is three backgrounds because you say on your website that most ranches are inherited and yours is newly founded because I noticed you talked about the, the spread you grew up on yep. versus what you're doing with th- Three Springs. Why you three knuckleheads decide this is what you want to do? It's <laughs> the biggest gamblers ever. It's how my yeah. grandfather and grandmother put it. Yeah, Jamie yeah. and Mitch. Jamie uh, and Mitch. Uh, James. James. Uh, yes. Give him a shout out. What are their yeah. full names? Uh, Mitch Dumkey and James Gilson. Those are our, those and McKinley Smoot. We're three business partners. We we are three springs land and livestock. We also have three springs on the property that we. Uh, I gotta say this, I really do want to say. But why? Why? When you three got together, did you grow up together? Go to school together? How'd you come together? Yeah. So Mitch and James grew up together. Um, they were they were good friends growing up. And then I met James through my work. I uh, work, we work in real estate. It's been family business for a long time. And uh, started talking about the Savory Institute. Uh, I'm an accredited professional with them. Um, and James knew what that was, which is kind of a rare situation. <laughs> and so <laughs> we he introduced me to Mitch, and we're like, hey, let's try and do this. And I put a Facebook post out, like, hey, does anybody have any uh, any ground that they want to experiment with this kind of grazing? And we were very fortunate with uh, uh, our, our landlords, Alex Hudson and Henry Hudson. Uh, they were very, very – it's like, hey, yeah, come on over. And I thought it would be like five or ten acres ended up being this large tract. I'm like, oh, I guess this is turning into something. How many acres you got up there? Uh, so on that piece of ground, we have about 48 acres, and then we recently secured about 200 more acres um, in the Snyderville Basin that we'll be wow. grazing this year. So we're Snyderville expanding. Snyderville Basin, there's been some conservation easements up there to protect farmland. Lots. Are you concerned about that? Because, you know, the sprawl keeps coming from, from the Wasatch Front all the way up there to the back. Yeah, uh, that's actually a very long and important conversation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a big deal. The fact I work in real estate. I'm very aware of it. And uh, to be totally honest, I don't think Utah is being responsible about its growth. Uh, growth is needed. People, we need growth. Otherwise, economies start to slow down, and then you have more problems. But... We seem to pick out our best land and develop it where yeah. we could be choosing more marginal land. I mean, it was funny. I was talking with uh, T.J. Atkin, who's the he's a he's the head of Top Hat Ranch, and he was saying down in St. George they scrape off all the topsoil in the fields and then they bring boulders down from the sides of the mountains and put it on the field so they can their houses don't sink. So I'm like, it's just, why don't you just build in the hills? Then? Yeah. But yeah. it costs more money. There's not as much margin. <laughs> going to build roads. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. You, you're right. That is another conversation. I'd love to have you back because that experience of being a realtor and a farmer and a rancher now, those are can be two clashing identities. So we'll have to have you back. Yeah. What's the website so folks can check you out? Yeah, so we're threespringsutah.com. And then you can also find us where more active than I'd like to be, to be honest, on Instagram <laughs> um, at Three Springs, Utah as well. Uh, thanks and, so much for coming down yeah. and because you came down from up there. Yeah. Right? Well, hey, man, Appreciate we always it. come down to the city. You got to come down <laughs> to see, see what's new. OK, Al, you're going to have to go talk to him when we're done about uh, maybe a punk rock farmer radiothon tour that we could set up. OK, sounds good. Yeah, All right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure for me. Thank All you, right. guys. We're going to close with a song from our featured artist tonight. Skylar Olson is with us. Skylar, you got some gigs coming up. What you got? Yeah, so in Logan, I have uh, the Yellow House on March 18th. So if you're up in Logan, come hang out with us there. It'll be a ton of fun. 
And then on the 24th, we're playing in Provo for the first time. Uh, we're playing at Valor in their new band showcase. So it should be a lot of fun. And you got the trio with you for that. As Al was saying earlier, you record all of the music, but then you got a trio you're working with. That's correct, yeah. Nothing like a live band or being on stage with your buddies and playing music, Al. What a great story. One year and you've written all the songs that are getting acclamation and stuff you're man you're doing great i love it thank you so much i appreciate that <laughs> so where can folks get your music so you can find me on spotify apple music anywhere you can stream music uh skyolsonmusic.com is the place to go you can uh you can stream my music there uh you can follow me on instagram i'm uh about as active as you are probably on Instagram. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, skyolsonmusic.com is, is the place to go. Now, let's go back to where we started, which was this John Lennon songwriting contest, and you're a semifinalist now? Yeah, well, so um, the John Lennon songwriting contest actually won the weekly one. Right. So uh, it's in the running for like the yearly one. Uh, still the I'm a semifinalist in the international songwriting contest and that one's exciting because the judges are um, are kind of high profile names including Coldplay the Lumineers uh, Hosier so wow yeah it's exciting sweet so when are you gonna know when's that gonna come all together oh I don't know probably not for a few months but we'll see Well, we're gonna need you to keep in touch and tell us all about it um so, Aldine, before we get into one more song, a shout out to folks who might want to be on the show to share their music or share their farming and ranching story. Yes, you can email me at punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook at just under Punk Rock Farmer. All right, and uh, we're going to try and get a showcase with a harvest thing coming up this year because we're back, baby. Back on the air, back live. But everybody do what you can to stay healthy so we can stay back live. You go to carecl.org. You can also listen to the show when you want, where you want, also with our mobile app, which doesn't cost you a dime. You can catch up on the Punk Rock Farmer. Okay, we've got one more song here, Sky. Tell us about Band-Aid on a Battle Scar before we play it. Yeah, so this is uh, this is my most recent single. Um it's I wanted to sort of have this contrast between it being sort of a happy feeling song, but a sad subject matter. I wrote it. Uh, it's it's about kind of my divorce that I went through uh, about a year ago, and it was sort of exploring kind of this idea of, well, it, it's making me feel sad. But at the same time, I'm, there are, are also kind of happy feelings about it. And there is growth that comes from it as well. So it's it's about that contrast. And again, March 18th in Logan, March 24th at Valor in Provo. This one is Band-Aid on a Battle Scar. Sky Olson, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. Thanks, everybody. See you at the farmer's market.
KRCL, Salt Lake City. International Women's Day is Tuesday, March 8th, and we're celebrating by amplifying femme voices from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. KRCL's women DJs will all be on air one hour at a time, bringing you songs, stories, and voices from women worldwide and from right here in our own community. Tune in and turn up International Women's Day on KRCL. Tuesday, March 8th, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Details at krcl.org. The ladies will kick it, the rhyme, it is wicked. Those that don't know how to be pros get evicted.